Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. It's been good to praise him tonight, hasn't it? Amen. I tell you what, I don't know what I would do without Wednesday night gathering. I'm thankful for those of you who have come. You see how this place feels up out in the middle of nowhere on a Wednesday night? Um, that's a testimony to you guys uh, wanting to be. I said there's something special about Wednesday night because not many people get drugged to church on Wednesday nights. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes, do y'all know some people get drugged to church on Sundays? Yeah, it happens a lot. You'd be surprised how, how uh, common that is. But Wednesday night, it seems like a group of people who've said in the middle of my week, I've got to get... I've got to get away from the ordinary. I've got to get away from the uh, mundane. I've got to get away. I've got to get with the people of God. And I'm telling you, something special. Do you hear the voices in here, man, when you guys are, are singing? I, I say this so often. You know, every heart adds to the atmosphere. And so thank you for adding your heart to the atmosphere tonight. And my hope and prayer tonight was that Jesus was glorified in our praise time and that he'd be glorified in, our, in the preaching time, okay? So if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to join me in Colossians chapter number two. Colossians chapter two. Any of y'all still glad to be here? Did you lose that? Okay, good. Y'all get serious, man, when you get your Bibles. And I love that. I love that. But also, don't forget to smile every once in a while, you know? It's good to do that. Man, I'm, I'm, you guys know I may have an extra gear tonight. I don't know. I've had that number six grandbaby today. And uh, yeah, we're giving God high praise. Little uh, Casey Brooke came into the world, and I'm just excited about the plans God has for her life. And uh, I ask you to pray for her and pray for us as we, our number one assignment is to introduce her to King Jesus. And so uh, I prayed for a long time that God would give me influence with my children, my grandchildren, and uh, however long he leaves me here. You know, I, I hope I never miss the assignment. And uh, thank you guys for loving us the way that you do. Colossians chapter number two. Now, the title of the message tonight is How to Avoid Being Cheated. How to avoid... Let me look at y'all again. How to Avoid Being Cheated. How many of you really love to be a che- Cheated. Have you ever been cheated? Any of you ever have somebody play with you, maybe Monopoly? Uh-oh, I just touched a nerve, didn't I? And all of a sudden, whoever the banker is, I had a certain sister, I won't call her name, always wanted to be the banker. And somehow, she always won. I don't... You ever been cheated? And so sometimes in this life, we see things that happen there where something that rightfully belongs to us or some victory that we were going to have, someone comes unjustly, right, and takes away from us that which we earned or deserved. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about in the Christian faith how to not be cheated in all of this relationship that you have in Jesus. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, Pastor, how can I I have Jesus? He's mine, I'm his. How could I be cheated? I'm glad you asked. We'll answer that before the night's over, okay? And so, Colossians chapter number two. What I want to do tonight is invite you to stand to your feet with me. Oh, let me ask this first. I see him holding up some outlines. Let me ask you, did, you did, did anybody need a copy of the outline tonight? 
Anyway, okay, we got just a few. Hold your hand up just a little bit. We got some folk all around. They'll come get you one. They're moving quick. We got a few up here. Anybody over on this neighborhood? You got one in the corner. This neighborhood, back, almost everybody had one in this neighborhood. Y'all are doing great in this neighborhood. And not that y'all aren't, amen. I'm just glad that everybody's getting one, okay? Get those quickly, and then we'll, real, one more time, if you don't have an outline, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. Hold it up. All right, we're good. Oh, we got one over here on, on the side. They're going to pass one over to that side. And then I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet with me in honor of reading God's Word. Now, uh, there are some men in the room that have had both parts of this message on some Tuesday mornings, right? And so we're going to go a little deeper into that tonight. Um, but also there's... Um, I would say to you this, guys, maybe you don't know about our Tuesday morning gathering, just so that you know it's available. Uh, we don't try to shame people if they can't come. I just want you to know it's available on Tuesday mornings. Uh, there's a group of men who come early and they cook breakfast every single week. And I'm not talking about donuts and Pop-Tarts. Them cats do sausage gravy and I better hush because some of y'all are hungry. I can tell by the look in your eyes. And so it's available. And what we've learned is um, uh, it's very important for men to get together. And to be challenged, right? And so God's really doing a great work there. So just know, start serving at 545. Can you believe that? But the message, I share a message at 610, so you got time to get there and get your food. And we just have a ball, don't we, guys? We have a good time. We have a great time together. So Colossians chapter 2. So those men are going to be able to know when to say amen somewhat, okay? And so I'm counting on you guys to encourage me as we go along. Uh, Paul's letter to Colossae, the church at Colossae, and also to be passed to some other churches. Know this, uh, the point, the theme, the main idea, if you will, is the Christ of the church, the preeminence of Jesus, how Jesus is everything in the church, and everything rises and falls on the people's following of Jesus, their understanding of Jesus, their teaching and testifying of Jesus, everything rises and falls on Jesus. That's the point of this message. And what Paul does by the power of the Holy Spirit is to also talk about how our lives should look when that truth is our personal truth as well. Does that make sense? So though he is the, he is the Christ of the church, he's also Christ of this part of the church, this one little spiritual stone called Terry, okay? And if you're born again, you're one spiritual stone, and he also is supposed to be preeminent number one in your own life, okay? So not only, he doesn't just prove the point of who Jesus is and what he's done, he also says this is what it ought to do in your life, okay? Does that make sense? All right, here we go. Let's dive in. Colossians chapter 2, beginning... In verse number one, and we're going to read down through verse number 10, okay? For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not yet seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being, y'all help me, knit together, and not just knit together in common things, but knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone... Oh, I wonder where he got that cheat philosophy from. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, in Christ, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead 
in bodily form, in human form. Y'all with me? Verse 10, and you are, I love this, complete in him. Sometimes I feel like a complete mess, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying that I have everything I need in Jesus. Oh, isn't that good? Not only does the church have everything that we need as a group, every part of the church, every individual spiritual stone has everything we need in Jesus Christ. Boy, that's such wonderful truth. Listen, let me read on. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. His name, say it with me. Is Jesus. Let's bow for just a quick word of prayer, okay? Father, thank you for today. It's been a really good day. And God, I thank you for this group of people. And Father, I thank you for all of the opportunities that you've given me to preach your gospel this week. And Lord, I pray that uh, with whatever days you give me and with whatever breath is in my body, that Lord, my last breath here on earth would be spent uh, sharing the good news of Jesus with others around me. Uh, Thank you for changing my life from the inside out from the top to the bottom, uh, inside and out. I thank you for this life you've given me, and I thank you for the life that you're creating in me and through me. And Lord, I thank you that as good as it is, you're not even through yet. And so tonight I pray you would help me by your Spirit's power and the gift you've given me and your timeless word. God, help me to preach. Help all of us to acknowledge that preaching is ordained by you. And so, Lord, now may we humble ourselves and find ourselves under the authority of the preaching of your word. And, Lord, as you help me to preach, preach to me. God, I need as much as any soul that will ever hear it. And so continue, Lord, to shape us by the preaching of your word. We love you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you and you may be seated. Amen and amen, all right? Now, title of the message, How to Avoid Being cheated. Now, let me just sort of, if I could, develop the idea. Here's the main idea, if I could give you that up to the beginning. That'd be all right? We can just be thinking about it all the way through. Good, here we go. Main idea is don't be cheated. (laughs) Now, I added a little something to that, okay? Don't be cheated, and then I'm going to add this statement. Jesus is God, and he completes those who trust him, okay? Now, you you say, well, no, wait a minute. That's a two-sentence main idea. It sure is, and there's a purpose for that. You're going to see as we walk through tonight, okay? Don't be cheated. Listen, Jesus is God, and he completes those who, y'all help me, trust in him. I made a a, a very pointed statement from Sunday's message that's gotten me, I posted on social media, got a little flack for that, and uh, the statement that I made was that we are not all God's children. And what's funny is you'll find people that don't really, have not really studied, and they don't, and they hear that immediately, they're offended, you know? Um, and what we ought to do instead of, listen, by the way, if you're part of Hickory Ridge, if you, instead of being offended, go and just read the passage, okay, before you ever comment. Let me just say this to you. It's always better to go and read the passage before you start commenting from what you think you, you, you believe, okay? Is that y'all all right with that? Because people say, do you see what so-and-so said? I'm like, no. They're like, aren't they part of your church? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know they didn't read the passage. You know, they didn't read it. So, so <clears throat> let's be careful that we know what we know, okay? That we know what we believe. All right, so rewinding back to the beginning, all this outline is so long. Do you see that? (laughs) Hallelujah, that thing is long. And so we've covered bits and pieces of this in the past. So I'm gonna kind of move quickly through the first parts, maybe, we'll see. But I'm gonna only go as far as the Spirit of God directs me. That'd be all right with y'all? Do you trust that I prayed about that today? Uh, One of the last things I prayed over here is, Lord, don't let me go one word past what you want me to say to your people tonight. And so I don't want to waste your time. Let's dive in. Number one in your notes there, write it down. Colossians 2, 1 to 3. I want to prove something. What Paul talked a little bit about is a new heart struggle, okay? A new heart, y'all help me, struggle. Now, uh, Gerald recently preached a message about the struggle bus and struggling and about life is full of struggles. 
Um, but this struggle is not going to be associated with personal difficulty, trials, and the sort. This struggle is going to be a struggle in the heart. You ever have those? Have, have any of you ever had a struggle that happened in your heart that kept you awake at night? Uh, how many of you would say that maybe it was associated with your children? Uh, or, or, or how about this? Uh, it was associated with your marriage if you're married. Or, or with your significant other if, if you're dating, right? Or, or with a sobriety of someone. Or, or how many of you with finances? You know, anybody in the house ever had some struggle with finances and kept you awake at night? It's going on, and, and listen, if somebody walked in the room, you'll be laying there on your pillow in the dark, and they can't tell that you're having a struggle, right? But I'm telling you, some of the greatest battles I have ever had have happened in laying on my bed awake at night in my heart. Can anybody else testify to that? Amen. And then there are also other struggles that happen as, as the days unfold. But let's talk a minute about the new heart struggle, okay? Now, this struggle... You will not have this struggle if you are not a born-again believer. You won't have it. You won't care about this. This won't be a struggle for you, okay? And if you are an immature believer, you, you won't struggle with this. It won't be a struggle. What do, why are you saying that to us, Pastor? I'm saying this because we find evidence in these three verses of Paul's struggle that he has progressed in his faith. Does that make sense to you tonight? Uh, listen, I want to take every chance I get to tell you that the Christian life is progressive, we're born again, and he continues to, we call it sanctification, little by little here in this life. And he makes us more like Jesus, okay? And so now let me read verses 1 through 3, and we'll talk about it just a little bit. Uh, he said, I want you to know that there's a great conflict, a struggle in my heart. <clears throat> I've got this thing that keeps me up sometimes, this thing that's on my mind, this thing that I can't, I can't have peace about. There's this thought, there's these things that are rolling over in my mind, and they're attached to certain somebody, and some somebodies, and they're, and they're specific, and I can't get away from them. I'm struggling with them. There's this struggle. What are they, all right? So listen to what he says in verse number two. <clears throat> he said, I struggle both for you, the church at Colossae, but also at Laodicea, right? Bo both places. And he says, and for as many as have not even seen my face. So Paul is suffering anguish for people he's never met before. But they are believers in the Lord Jesus. So you know what that means? They are his, they're his brothers and his sisters. They're his family. And they may have lighter skin than him. They may have darker skin than him. They may be taller than him, shorter than him. Some of them may be more educated than him. Some mo most less educated than him. Uh, there may be some way more than him, some that are lighter than him, uh, some that are male, some that are female. But he's saying that he has this struggle for his family. He hadn't even met him before. And the question I sometimes pose when I'm walking through this passage is, when's the last time you struggled for your family of the faith that you've never even laid eyes on? It's a hard thing. It's a progressive thing. You don't start out doing that. That takes some maturing and growing and Jesus changing the concerns and love of your heart, right? And so you have this deep love for your family and you don't want them to struggle. You want these things for them. All right, let's read this a little bit further. Verse 2. What is the struggle? Three things I want you to list out there, okay? And I, and I made a statement there. I think it's in your notes. It says, we should have strong conflict for each other and not with each other. Do you see that? Uh, notice that Paul didn't say, I have this great struggle problem that I have with y'all. <laughs> y'all don't dress right. Uh, y'all don't talk right. Uh, y'all don't, y'all, you see, you don't see him saying, I have a struggle with you. He said, I have a struggle for you. And I want to ask you, which is more common in your life really quickly? I just want you to, do you more commonly struggle with people or for people? Oh, 
There's a good indicator on maturity in our faith. All right, so we should have strong conflict for each other, not with each other. Remember this, we get accomplished more for the glory of God, shoulder to shoulder, than we ever can toe to toe. All right. Now, we should then and pray for these things, and this is what he's going to say struggling about. Three things that he mentions here that he's struggling for them. Number one is found in verse number two, that, okay? So the struggle he's having is for that. There's going to be a list of things that he mentions here. That, number one, that they may, that their hearts rather may be encouraged. You guys remember we've talked about this recently, that their hearts would be encouraged. Write that in your notes, and I'm going to move on quickly, and I want to remind you that encouragement costs you nothing, Speaking life costs you nothing but a little bit of time. And, uh, but listen, if your heart is not tuned to that, if there's immaturity, if your focus is only on you and your troubles and your struggles, then you're never going to really reach out and specifically share, text people, call people, send people letters and encourage them. It'll all be about you. You'll just be thinking about your struggles and your family and you and you and you, and you'll never do that. But as you mature in your faith and you fall more in love with Jesus and Jesus transforms your heart, all of a sudden, you'll see people and you'll want to just speak life to them and tell them, encourage them, cheer them on. By the way, we ought to be each other's number one cheerleaders. Sad thing is, we spend more time on the gossip committee and the slander committee, and we have committee and team meetings. We call them teams here instead of committees. We have team meetings in the bathroom and team meetings out in the foyer and team meetings. What are you so quiet for? And we have all these team meetings that are not about unity and are not about building up, and they're not about encouraging and cheering each other on. Instead, they get about, well, all kinds of evil things. Listen, we want to be careful not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So uh, he's praying that they be encouraged. He has a struggle. He wants to be encouraged. Man, can you imagine like living your life and really having a deep concern and a struggle in your heart uh, because you want your brothers and sisters to be encouraged in the faith? You want them to have, keep going, right? And why is it so important that we're encouraged? Because it's real easy to quit down here, isn't it? And we've all experienced times we've been closer and further, and we all have done things to each other. I mean, that's part of the deal, right? Fallen people in a fall. Y'all don't look at me like that. We have. I won't get specific. Don't make me, all right? And I love that little right there. What's he, what was he talking about? And we, we do, and so we have to keep on maturing and keep on going and love past of earning it, right? It's called grace. And remember, grace is not grace unless it's undeserved. And so we have to encourage each other and cheer each other on. I need you to cheer for me, and I'm cheering for you, and you need me to cheer for you, and we need to encourage each other to keep going. Uh, There are too many falling out of the race, and it's very important for us to cheer each other on, okay? And so encourage. Number two in in this, what his struggle is about, is that they would be unified. Write it quickly in your notes. They would be unified by faith. Unified, excuse me, unified by love. There you go. Correct me now. Love. Unified by love. Now, you'll remember in the, uh, the high priestly prayer, the Lord's Prayer, John chapter, oh, John chapter 17. Come on, y'all. John 17, the Lord's Prayer, uh, where Jesus himself prayed the whole chapter, and one of the things he prayed is that they would be, that you and I would be unified, that we would be one, and that that, that would the, cause the world to know that the Father sent the Son. So, so important for us to stay unified, okay? Number three in this list that he's, uh, he's struggling about, he's, he's got a conflict about encouraged, unified by the faith. And number three, that they would be attaining to the full riches of knowing him. That's in verses two, end of verse two and verse number three. 
He says that they would be encouraged, that they would be knit together in love, and they would be attaining. Uh, that means, you see that word attaining? It's written in there in italics. And so when you see a word oftentimes written in italics, here's some, a little indicator. Oftentimes, you need to know that the italicized word is not in the original manuscript. Somebody says, oh, Lord, that's adding to the word of God. No, it's, what it is is, is when you take one language and you go to another language, sometimes it takes more than one word that can, y- y'all following with me, to help bring the flow and the meaning. And so it uh, doesn't change a single thing about the point he's making by adding the word attaining. If you crossed attaining out, it wouldn't change a thing. You with me? And so it's just a, an indicator word that helps you understand that it's uh, coming to pass, okay? And what are they attaining to? Y'all read with me. You're, you're reading along there. To all the riches. Sounds good, right? Means big houses and fast cars. Huh? To all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. The full assurance of the knowledge, knowing God. The mystery of God. By the way, what is the mystery of God? It is the hope of glory, Christ in us. God's great mystery of how he would get Jesus inside me and you. And by, let me just say this. My, 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 I'm so thankful he kept it a mystery uh, until such as the time that Jesus came and fulfilled the prophecies and he died for us and rose again. And then he ascended after 40 days and sent the helper, the Holy Spirit, to come and live inside of me and you. And so there's this full assurance that comes with getting knowing. Now, remember that assurance of salvation and salvation are two different things. Talked about this on Tuesday morning. Assurance of salvation and salvation are two different things. Did you know you can be saved and doubt it every other day? Yeah. John said, John said in his gospel, he said, I write these things so that you may know them. So I write these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, just imagine for a minute. If I was going to write, uh, Luke had a little spot in his yard, he's going to lay some asphalt. I'm just assuming Luke's never laid asphalt before. And so I'm going to take a little time and write Luke a letter. He's got him some asphalt. He's got a, somebody's letting him use some equipment. And he thinks he can do it, but he's not really sure. So I take a little time and I write down what I've learned over those 16 years of laying asphalt. I wrote it out for him, sealed it up, put his name on it, wrote him the letter. And I said, hey, Luke, I'm writing these things down so that you can know how to lay this asphalt. And I give it to Luke and he leaves it sealed on his uh, countertop. Is he going to gain any assurance of how to run that stuff based on the letter that I wrote? Not at all. Same reason some of us don't have the assurance of our faith because you've left a love letter of God sealed up on your couch and on your countertop and left it in this sanctuary for three or four weeks, which indicates you're not spending much time in it. And I want to beg you, start feeding on the Word of God, and your assurance of your salvation will increase. Y'all tracking with me? All right, so there's the assurance of the faith. Yeah, that, that makes sense to you? All right, so we can move on. Number two, Roman numeral two. Look with me, if you will, in verse number four. And by the way, there are glorious riches in knowing Him. There's peace, there's joy, there's uh, fruits of the Spirit, love, patience, long-suffering, all kinds of benefits to knowing him. Assurance of my salvation, I could go on and on and on. And, and Paul is saying, my struggle is, I want that for you. I don't want you wondering one day if you belong to him or, or if you don't. I don't want you not being led by the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to be tossed around like a wave by the devil. I want you to have the full assurance of knowing him, right? And uh, we ought to want that for each other. That's why we ought to disciple. Uh-oh. That preacher uses that verse every time we gather. And I want you to understand that if you want me to be assured and you have some doubt that I am assured of the full knowledge and you, know, you, you, you may know some things that I may not, then you ought to just be attaching yourself to somebody and teaching them what you know. 
sharing with them what you know, it's disciple making 101. All right, moving back along in verse number, where were we? Verse number four. In your notes, Roman number two, a continual warning. Now, after he's told him the struggle that he has for him, he warns him in verse number four, okay? He says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Now, what's he saying? He said, I, I just said that because if I didn't say that, I'm afraid if you didn't know what I just said, you may be easily persuaded in a different direction. Y'all with me? Somebody may come knock on your door and they have a name tag on. And they may come say, hey, we want to talk about the Bible like a couple did at my house one time. I've told you all about this before. And I, they said, we want to, we going around the community, talk. we like to talk about the Bible. I said, me too, let me grab mine. And we sit down out on the porch, and we go to John 1.1, and I just began to expound on what verse 1 and chapter 1 says, and on down through about verse number 4 or 5, and the fact that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, which means equality, and the Word was with God. And then he went on to say, on down a little further, in that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I said, while we're looking at this, you know what that tells me as I study this in the original manuscript, but also in this little English translation? That Jesus is fully God. Listen, they got out of there so fast. Um, because, listen, listen to me now, and I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you that if you're not assured, if you're not studied, you'll be easily persuaded. And they can tell you anything about Jesus. They can say he's an imminent ray. They can say he's a, he's a little G. They can tell you all kinds of things. And if you don't know the word of God, that's what Paul's saying to them. You've got to know this. I'm telling you this because if I don't, somebody. So notice what I, I, I titled that number, Roman numeral two, a continual warning. The same warning he made to them thousands of years ago is still prevalent in our day. You've got to know what you believe or somebody's going to trick you. Okay, so a continual warning. Let me move on. Uh, Roman numeral three. Listen, see, y'all just kicked it up. Listen how y'all listening fast now. Verse number five, Roman numeral three. We said in Roman numeral one, a new heart struggle, but Roman numeral two is a continual warning. Even with a new heart, you can be persuaded. You got to be careful, okay? Roman numeral three, a new heart testimony. Okay, a new heart testimony. Verse number five, okay? Now, what he's going to say about that. Now, what you say, we're talking about a new heart. Well, when I'm born again, the scripture teaches that I am circumcised with a circumcision that is not made with hands. Uh, the Old Testament prophecy said, I will, God said, I will remove your heart of stone and put a fleshly heart. Now, he's not talking about fleshly as in the nature of Adam. He's talking about a soft, loving, subtle heart, a heart that's gentle and kind and loves people like God loves us. And so we have this new heart in Jesus. Now, we still have the struggle, right? Because we have the old nature in there as well. But this new heart, this new heart, we have to be careful because can, we can be tricked if, we're not, if we don't stay in the Word and stay close to Jesus. But then number three, I want you to see that a new heart testimony, listen to their testimony as a church. Verse number five. By the way, remember, uh, I've said this to you so many times before. Churches have testimonies. Churches have testimonies. Did you know that, that churches have testimonies? I was thinking the other day, August 28th, to be 18 years of investing my life here, and what an honor it has been, my goodness, uh, from the word go. I just can't, I, every day I wake up, I'm like, there's no way that he's done what he's done. He's still letting me get to do what I get to do. And as I think about that, I, I consider our testimony out there, and we have a testimony, right? And I hear this sometimes, man, uh, you mean so-and-so goes to your church? I say, Yes. Did you know him before? I said, no, but I've heard, and glory to God. Didn't Jesus do a great work in his life? And they'll, a lot of times they'll just look at me like, man, you're weird. <laughs> but you know, we, you have a testimony. You do. 
And we do. As a group, we have a testimony. We have to be careful. Now, let me read it. Listen to what he says, okay? And this is going to be found in verse number five. Two things you're going to see there listed under it. For though I am absent in the flesh... Paul, I'm not with you there. My spirit, I'm with you in spirit. I wish I could be with you, yet I'm with you in spirit. And hey, listen to what he says, I'm rejoicing. Something about you, church at Colossae and Laodicea, something about you causes me to have joy. And what is it? Read with me. To see your good order, your order. Listen to me. Uh, understand that our God is a God of order and not chaos. Uh, it is why there is a, uh, a hierarchy, if you will, a, a system. God has, uh, listen to this. Do you know that God has put authority in your life yes. and in my life? And some of us have authority issues, don't we? I love that right there. It's like, yes. <laughs> and don't look at anybody because truth of the matter is, I think really all of us do. You know, myself included, we have authority issues. And we just don't like, there's a part of us that does not like to be told what to do. No matter what it is, we don't like to be told what to do. And so we walk this journey and we get born again. Jesus comes to be Lord and we still struggle, don't we? Taking orders from anybody, taking direction from anybody, uh, you know, and, and so whether it be the pastor God's placed over us or a Sunday school teacher God's placed over us or husband or a mama or, you know, God's put all these authorities over us and man, it's a, it can be hard, can it? And, uh, and so what he says is, I hear about your good order. Your focus is what it's supposed to be. Man, he's talking about order. He's not just, he's talking about, yes, about following their leadership, but he's also saying that you're, you're, you're aimed in the right direction. Uh, your mission is right. He's saying your order. You, you don't just meet to a social gathering. He said your order is right. Your order in following your leadership, your order in what you're doing and priority. Oh, what a wonderful testimony. Wouldn't it be great if that was mine and your testimony? That God sees mine and your life in good order. Our houses in homes, families in good order. The body of Christ at Hickory Ridge in good order, following our leadership and shoulder to shoulder, nobody lording over anybody, but working together for the common cause. I'm telling you, it's, it's a good thing when a church has a testimony of being in good order, good order. Okay, so he's, there's a part of the testimony, but then, but then he goes on to say, still in verse number five, for though I'm absent, I rejoice that, to see your good order. And the second thing is, you ready? The... Steadfast. Now listen, only this neighborhood's answering. What are y'all doing? All right, ready? All right, y'all, everybody else, come on, let's get it. You ready? Here we go. Uh, he says, to see your good order and the... We're still heavy over here. I'm just... Steadfastness of your faith in Christ. The second part of the testimony that he was rejoicing in was that they were in good order. They were following their leadership. They were, priorities were right. And that they... Their faith wasn't here one day and over here the next, and depending on who's the president, over here the next day, and depending on what's going on, on the, in the, in the uh, economic circles over here the next day, uh, their faith was steadfast because they were rooted in the truth of God's word and they weren't moved by circumstances of their day. What a testimony for you and me to have individually that our lives are in good order. Jesus, number one, everybody else underneath. And that means if he's number one, I'm doing life according to his plan and principles, right? And then, and then uh, my faith, by spending time with him every day, my faith is steadfast. I'm not wishy-washy. 
Consistent. Here's the word, consistent faith. And that's where I want God to produce in me, don't you? I want God to produce that in me and you. And so a good testimony. Now, Roman number four. I believe we're going to finish this thing. If y'all will buckle up, we're going to get a little faster here at the end, all right? Everybody okay? We ain't lost anybody, have we? Okay, good. Roman number four, keep growing. Now, there's going to be a list of four things here, okay? And what he's going to say in verses six and seven is he's going to say, now, as you have received Christ, he's going to say, now, that's not the end of it. When you are drawn by the Holy Spirit of God and you are brought to a place of humility and repentance, that God grants you repentance, that you, uh, by the Spirit of God, are revealed who Jesus is, the Son of God, and what he did. He, he atoned for the sins of the whole world, and that he also rose from the dead. Now, now listen, the Holy Spirit shows you that. Then, because that's the sovereignty of God, then this human responsibility also comes into play because from Genesis to Revelation, we find that God has given us decision, free will. That's part of what makes us like him. You know a cheetah doesn't have free will? If you watch an animal run by a cheetah and the cheetah's hungry, you know what the cheetah's going to do? Kill that. He's going to kill it. She's going to kill it. She's not going to say, well, you know what? That thing is cute. And I don't... Today, I'm not going to chase after that thing. I'm just going to let it go. It looks kind and sweet. It doesn't have that ability. That's part of what the Scripture means when it says we were made in his image. Decision-making. Why? By the way, why did God do that? He, love is a decision of the will. And he didn't want robots just following his commands. He wanted, he wanted a people called out, set apart for him that truly love him, that love him, walk in relationship with him, okay? So... As this continues to unfold, he says, as you have received him, that's, that's not the finish line. That's the starting line. When you and I invite Jesus to be Lord, when we receive him as Lord, that is, the, that is the starting line. And I'm telling you, growing up, nobody ever told me that. Anybody else can say that maybe the same thing happened in your, in your life? Nobody ever told me that that was not the, the, I thought, man, that's it, you know. I did that, and now we just move on, go to church, you know, when we can, and and nobody told me that that's just the beginning point of this relationship. And so as we're reading on just a little bit further, he says in verse number six, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, and notice the title that he calls in there, Christ Jesus, the Lord. Christ meaning the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who God said was going to come and atone for the sins of the world. Jesus meaning the Lord's salvation and Lord meaning above all things. Isn't that wonderful? All titles wrapped into one. And he says, Christ Jesus, the Lord. So, because that's how you have to receive him. That's how you have to receive him in order to be born again. And he says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so, y'all read with me, walk in him. It's not just a mouthing a prayer. It is then walking. Now, you know when he's saying walking here, he's not talking about picking your foot up and putting it down and picking your left foot up and putting it down. Your mom and daddy taught you that, you know, early on, Right? He's not talking about physical walking. What's he talking about? He's talking about life. He's talking about how you talk. Yes, how you walk, but, but where you walk. How about that? Uh, what you do, how you speak, what you're not willing to do. Let all that be wrapped up in Jesus. Walk in him. Okay, now let me read a little further along. He says, uh, as you have received him, so walk in him. And then in verse 7, he's going to go through a list of things that he's encouraging, all right? Following uh, Christ, all right? F keep, him, keep on growing because following Jesus is a continual growing decision. You all with me? A continual decision that grows. So number one, and you know, according to verse number seven, be rooted and built up in him. 
be rooted and built up in him. Now, rooted means, obviously, the connotation here is to a plant that has roots that go down. And did you know that what the roots go down into has everything to do with what's produced above the ground? Did you know that? And when you learn about root systems, not just about the kind of soil they go into, is very important because the soil, if it lacks certain nutrients, the plant's not going to develop fully. And so our rooting needs to go down into the Lord Jesus and into his word. How do I have my roots go down into Jesus? It means I'm breaking open his word and I'm getting to know, I'm, I'm investigating my dear Savior every single day a little bit more. And my roots are going down into him. Does anybody understand what I'm saying right there? So my roots are going down to him, and I'm built up, right? Everything that I have, everything I am is, is coming out of where my roots are going down into, into his word and into who he is and what he's done, okay? Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. My roots are going down into Jesus, and not only are what the roots go into important, but also the root system that's developed. Uh, we had some men talk about Tuesday morning that if you have three or four trees together, or by contrast, a single tree, and you hit the single tree with a dozer, you get high enough or a mini X or what have you, generally you can get some leverage on it, push it on over. But you get four or five together and have the roots all together, and Jimmy, you can tell us on this, right? That sucker won't go over, man. You gotta do some digging. It's gonna be some, it's gonna take some time to get that one over. So, so there's the picture of us being rooted together, right, into the word of God and, and spending time together, developing relationships centered on our relationship with Jesus. Not just hanging out, but centered on our relationship with Jesus, serving the Lord together, studying the Word of God together, okay? And so, not only that, but then also, uh, somebody else used the illustration Tuesday morning that have you ever seen what happens when, like, somebody clear cuts a place, and maybe they clear cut a place, but they leave a couple of, I, I knew a guy one time, he said, man, I cleared all this land, and I left some of the most beautiful big oaks out there, and they once were a part of a team, you know, they were, they were, there were trees all around them, but then they cut all those trees, they said, I can't, I'm going to leave those for my grandkids, and the first storm that blew up, guess what happened? Y'all know about that, don't you? Why? Because they had strength in numbers before, but now they're by themselves. And they can't, they can't resist, you know, the, the, the storms. And so, yes, we need each other. But also, sometimes you think about a tree that's out there by itself, wind pushes against it sometimes. So here's an opposite illustration, if you will. And as the wind pushes against that tree that's out there by itself, you know what it does? It helps it develop a stronger, more sophisticated root system that helps it stand. So your roots, what are you rooted in? What are you rooted in? I look around the room and some of us have not been saved very long, Right? Some of us in the last 10 years, right? Boy, y'all, some of y'all looking around like, oh, yeah, I, th I thought he was talking about like last week. Yeah, that's me. So I, I love that. I was looking at some of y'all's faces like, yeah, y'all, some of y'all are. Yeah. Oh, 10 years? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and so that's not very long when you think about it. And for my roots to get down deep, and so we, we have to, listen, be intentional about letting our roots go down the Word, encouraging each other, cheering each other on. All right, let me move on. Being rooted and built up in Him. Number two, being established, still in verse number seven, being established in the faith. Established in the faith. <clears throat> Do you know that, uh, I, I like to use the illustration of being established as in, I used to hear my grandfather say, we've got to get a, he would always say, a stand of grass established. Now, stand of grass, I, you know, you hear that and you're like, what? You just had to know my grandfather. What he meant was uh, some grass in an area that the heavy rains couldn't wash off. And so you'd put hay down, you'd put different things down to make the seed stay until it took root, right? And once it took root, it took a little time, but once it did, it, it was established. 
meaning that the heavy rain couldn't wash it off. Does that make sense to you? And so he's talking, again, he's talking about being established in the faith, okay? Established in the faith. Let me move on. Number three, be a lifetime learner. Now, these are all, these all go under the category of keep growing. Paul said, hey, now that you've received the Lord Jesus, now walk in him. Keep going. Don't be satisfied with I'm in the family. Keep going, grow, be strong, be a productive member of the family of God. And so being rooted and built up, be established in the faith, be a lifetime learner. Where do you see that preacher? Verse number seven, uh, quote it. He said, rather rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been. You know who somebody is who's been taught? They're called a learner, a learner. And you know what I, I pray about myself? And I hope that you pray this for yourself. And that is that you'd be a lifetime learner. Try not to be, and I'm going to use a harsh word here. Will you all forgive me? I'm going to do it anyway, so just have grace for me. Don't be the jerk that knows everything and has no application. Listen, it doesn't matter how much you can quote, and if you can kind of get it all in right form and format, and if it's not evident in how you're living, it hadn't yet been learned. And so listen, listen as he's saying here, established in the faith as you have been taught. So God, help me and you be a lifetime learner right? That we would continue learning until God calls us home. Now, let me move on and say in number four, uh, be, uh, it is already written there for you, be overflowing. The picture is abounding. The word is abounding. Follow with me, verse number seven, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, because you're learning, you want to be learners, abounding in it, in what? In all of that with thanksgiving. And so what he's saying is, if if I feel like tonight I'm I'm pretty rooted up, well, I need to keep abounding in it. What does abounding mean? It means to be growing more and more in excess. The picture is of a basin that is already full to the top, all the way full. It can't hold one more drop, right? And the picture of abounding is you're pouring in from a pitcher, and the pitcher has an endless supply, and you're pouring into a basin that's already full over to the top. And the picture of abounding means it's, it's all that you can take, and it's just, it's just flowing over. And he's saying, that's how my rooted in him ought to be. Not just a little rooted, abounding in being rooted. Not just a little bit established, abounding in being established. Do you see the difference? Yes, three or four of us nodding. Okay. All right, so I'm going to take that and we'll move on, all right? Uh, three or four is pretty good average, right? Not really, but I know the rest of y'all are riding. Okay, so here we go. And so he says, uh, be overflowing in it. Don't be, listen to me, don't get complacent in your relationship with Jesus. Don't, don't just look in your life and say, man, I've come a long way, and then just sort of hit the cruise control. You know what I found when I do that? Yeah, amen, <laughs> And that said it all right there. Whoo! Uh, not just in my life, but in the lives of people that God allows me to have interaction with. The moment that we feel like, you know what? I sort of got this thing figured out. I'm doing pretty good at this, you know, is the moment that pride comes before a fall. And so God help me and you to be overflowing in all of the things that he talked about in this growth, all right? Number five, can you believe we're one away from the end? I think we're gonna get out of here on time, maybe, maybe. All right, number five, write this in your notes, the specific warning. Now, wait a minute, we already talked about a warning, right? Anybody in the house? Yes, somebody said yes, or was that you? Thank you, somebody said yes. Yes, we talked about a continual warning. But now... Paul is going to go back and and grab a hold of what he introduced a few minutes ago about this warning, and now he's going to get specific. Now we're going to know what he meant when he said what he said earlier, okay? And he said that in verse number four, remember? 
Now, lest anybody deceive you with persuasive words. Now, he's going to get more specific. Y'all reading with me? Looking in verse number eight and nine. Beware. There it is. There's the warning again. Lest anyone, here's the word, cheat you. Now, listen. Somebody said, you mean the main idea of all this is don't be cheated? Yes. Everything that Paul has said so far is that if they will do that, if they will find that in their relationship with the Lord, then nobody will ever cheat them with some empty philosophy. Y'all with me? And that's how you find the main idea of a passage. That's, that's the whole point of what he's saying. All of these things are necessary so that you're not tricked when somebody comes and knocks to your door and tells you that Jesus is an imminent ray and he's just a prophet. You'll say, no, that's hogwash because I'm rooted in Jesus. I know who he is. I'm learning who he is. I'm establishing the faith, right? I've, I've learned all now. My pastor already told me there'd be people come knock on my door to tell me that nonsense, and I know better. I know better. I'm rooted in that. The word of God, I've seen it. The spirit testifies. I know better, okay? And so in verse number eight, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So you have to know who Christ is, the person of Christ, and you have to know the work of Christ, what he did on the cross, what he accomplished, so that when somebody comes at you with some other nonsense, you know the difference. Now, all right, we're going to go quiz. You ready for quiz time? Sunday, we learned about the fact that we have an enemy who is an active, there's a C word, do you remember? Counterfeiter. Somebody reached way back there to Sunday. He's an active counterfeiter. We saw from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that, all right, now we're going to get real detailed in our pop quiz, all right? We saw that he counterfeits such things as another, somebody said it, another? Jesus. That's what Paul says, specifically. If they come to you with another Jesus, which is a counterfeit Jesus, if you're not rooted and established in the faith, if you've not spent some time in the Word, if you're not being discipled by somebody, I'm telling you what will happen is somebody will tell you something about Jesus and you won't know the difference. Somebody will post a statement like, we're not all God's children, and you'll never know that Jesus is the one who I'm quoting. I'm not, I didn't make that up on my own. But if you don't know that, if you've not spent time there, if you've not studied there, you think, well, who is this preacher down in Florence? Think he is. We are all God's children. You'll get all flustered and sideways, and it's because you're not rooted deep down into the Word of God, into the person of Christ. You, 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 you'll think about, oh, yeah, I remember when Jesus said that, when the weed and the tares, and then he explained it specifically word for word. And so you, you've got to get rooted down deep into it, okay? So uh, the specific warning is be on guard against, let me just give you this, polished arguments that are false in the work of Christ and the person of Christ. Now, let me give you what I mean when I say the work of Christ. Have you ever had anybody to uh, maybe introduce to you an idea that you could get into heaven some other way than Jesus? Oh, Mr. Randy, I see you nodding over there. Have you ever had anybody introduce to you that there's another way to get into heaven other than uh, the Lord Jesus Christ? Okay, by show of hands, have you ever had anybody say that to you or, or introduce that? Hold it up high so I can see about the statistical average. Okay. Now, I'm going to show you that probably more of you have had that happen than you think. Okay. So, <clears throat> I've seen literature places. I've seen different things written in different places. I've seen poems that are, everybody thinks are kind of cute and funny and and they'll say, uh, St. Peter at the gate, I've seen it 12 different ways. And the illustration, St. Peter at the gate, and he's asking why he should get in. And they'll give all kind of reasons about 
getting in. And my friend, that is an assault on the only way in which you can know God and live with him forever. And the way has a name and his name is Jesus. And it's Jesus' death on the cross. It's the atoning sacrifice. It is the Lamb of God. John said the, the Passover Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when you study and you begin to understand Jesus, who he is, what he did. And I'm telling you, you and I spend the rest of our lives studying this and we'll be learning when we die. But... We'll also have learned a lot by the time that we die. And when people come with counterfeit stuff, we'll say, oh, no, no, not around me. No, no, I know different. Jesus is my only hope to know God and be right with him, okay? So if anybody comes to you with any polished argument, whether it be, please, please, please know the difference between the true gospel and the counterfeit. All right, finally, number six. Y'all with me? Anybody tired? Don't, please don't say you are, all right? Anybody having fun as I am? Sometimes, y'all, I feel like I'm the only guy in the room that's having so much fun in the Word of God. I just love it. But a couple of y'all smile every once in a while, and I just go ahead and assume, I say, I think they're having as much fun as I am. All right, look with me as we close. This is so good, in verses 9 and 10, okay? Y'all there? Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Finally, I can't believe we finished this whole thing. Number six, okay? Jesus is, somebody guessed it? God. Jesus is God, or maybe on the overhead. Uh, Jesus is God. And, right? Jesus is God, and he completes those who trust him. We're not all God's children. He don't complete everybody. He completes those who trust him. Now, let's read, okay? We all put your eyes there with me? If you had time to fill in those blanks, Jesus is God, and he completes those who trust him. Okay, verse 10. I'm going to read nine. And for in him dwells, and who is him? Jesus, according to Christ. In him, that attaches back to Christ, to Jesus. For in him dwells some of the qualities of God. No, heavens no. For in him is an imminent ray of God. No, that's nonsense. In Jesus dwells, y'all, somebody help me. All of the fullness of the Godhead, how? In bodily form. When Jesus walked on this earth, God walked on this earth. When Jesus was born in a manger, God was lying in a manger. When Jesus went to the cross, God was nailed to the cross. Y'all with me? Uh, when the tomb was empty, God is the one who raised from the dead. And so what he is pointing out to them is don't you be cheated. When somebody tells you Jesus is some prophet or some eminent ray, you understand that Jesus is God and that in him you are. Now, good night, y'all. We just sort of fizzled. Didn't we fizzle right there? And then we're going to complete. Wait a minute now. Hang on. We're supposed to cross over the finish line, break the tape. You ready? So it was God, Jesus, God. He was the God man. And only the God-man could rescue me and you. And he had to be man so that he could die. He had to be God so his blood could be perfect. And he died for me and you. And because of that, when we put our trust in him, we are made complete. There we go. Amen. We're made complete. We're made complete. Sometimes we don't feel complete. Sometimes we feel like a complete failure, don't we? But the truth of the matter, the word of God says, if I'm in him and he's in me, that in him I am 
complete. Can I just look at you tonight and tell you that you may think there's a lot about you that's lacking? And you may, I had somebody tell me, I'm just not worthy, and I hear that so often, and I say, good night. I mean, of course you're not. Let's don't argue that point. Of course you're not, neither am I. And that's what makes it so wonderful, because we're not worthy, except that he says we're worthy, rooted not in our goodness, but in his love. And he res- came to rescue us. And my goodness, has he rescued me, that in Jesus, I am complete. I shared not too long ago about some folks have the tattoo that says, I am enough. And uh, I said, no, heavens, no, you're not enough. Um, in him, you're enough. And I had, I had someone come show me recently, said, you know, you made me have to get another tattoo. I said, now, hang on, <laughs> hang on, <laughs> hang on. They showed me, hey, they showed me, they literally showed me. And they said, I had to go back and add in him. And I said, well, glory to God. And I meant it. I meant it. I said, I'm glad that you did that. It's a constant reminder that in him you are complete. In him you are enough. And so I'm going to give you two verses in closing. Here they are. You ready? Psalm 23 and verse number one. Here's what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know what that literally says in the Hebrew? I shall not lack any good thing. Not good as determined by my nature, uh, the nature of Adam, but good as determined by my shepherd who is good and gave his life for me. Amen. And so nothing that is good determined by God will ever be withheld from me. It has been given to me in the person and the work of Jesus. I have all I'll ever need in Jesus Christ. Oh, he's been good to me and you, hadn't he? Yes, he has. He's been good to me and you. So let's do this. Let's take just a moment and bow our heads together before we, I know I'm surprised too. We're out of time. We're out of time. I feel like we're just getting started. Hey, honest to goodness, with your head bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, how many of you say that God showed you something that you needed to see? Will you raise your hand if God showed you something you just needed to see, you need to be reminded of? Hallelujah. Isn't he good? You know how much he loves you? No, you don't. Neither do I. We can't fathom it. We can't fathom it. But I'm praying today, I really, I'm praying for you and I'm praying for me that we will not be cheated. We'll not be cheated. We've learned tonight about how to avoid being cheated, haven't we? So I'm I'm praying right now for you and I pray that you'd pray for me and we'll pray for each other and we'll pray for ourselves. This this is something like this. Lord, I, I want this relationship to be growing. I don't want to be satisfied with where I am. Jesus, I'm so, maybe you need to start right here. Jesus, I'm so thankful for where you've brought me. But forgive me for the times when I just sort of drift back into my old ways. When I, when I view my time with you as, well, my, my first assignment of the day instead of getting to meet with my daddy. And Lord, forgive me for the ways when I get, you know, so rigid in the law and, and that, that, that the love of Jesus is not evident in how I treat people. And, and maybe like me, I'm, I'm asking God, God, forgive me when, when I'm not, when I don't have a struggle in my heart for others to come on. Come on, let's go. Let's grow in this relationship with Jesus. Forgive me for when I'm only focused on me and the fans. Help me to have a 
a deep struggle in my heart for even for my faith family that I've never met before. Lord, maybe you'd pray something like this. Please don't let me be cheated by any nonsense, any counterfeit Jesus, any counterfeit gospel, any counterfeit spirits that have come against me. Help me to be rooted in the Word of God and in the person of Christ and the work of Christ. And if you're here tonight, you've never invited Jesus to be Lord, can I tell you some really good news? It's not too late. If you've got breath in your body, and you, listen, and you sense the tugging at your heart, sweet conviction, the drawing of the Holy Ghost, then why wouldn't you turn your life over to Jesus tonight? Why wouldn't you invite him? Receive him. That's what the scripture says. Receive as many as received him. To them he gave the right to be children of God. Starts with repentance. Repentance simply means change your mind about where you are. Make a move. Lord Jesus, I don't want to be separated from you. I want you to come be Lord of my life. Come on in. Come on in. Take number one position. Come on in. Be Lord. And the Word of God says He'll save you and forgive you and give you purpose. He'll do it tonight. He'll save you completely, forgive you completely tonight and begin a process of changing you down here on earth little by little. It's a wonderful journey. Won't you come to Him tonight? Father, I pray in Jesus' name you'd keep saving souls. Only you can. I pray you'd call folk home that have wandered from you. Lord, I pray that you'd cause all of us to have a white, hot, burning desire to know you better and to make you known. So please, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Bind the enemy from this place and may we leave out of here transformed. God, whatever decisions that need to be made tonight, give us courage, direct us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.